Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. When editor Marcella Garcia originally reached out to me in January because she was stuck in the wrong place in her career and wanted to make a seemingly impossible transition into the world of long-form scripted entertainment, she definitely did not expect to send this message just six months later in the Optimizer Slack community. Cue the air horns and the confetti. I have a win to announce. Ladies and gentlemen, after a rigorous six months, I am proud to announce that I have my first scripted AE Union show. Like Marcella, when people come to me for help, they commonly describe themselves as feeling stuck, overwhelmed, burned out, and ready to change. They are burdened with limiting beliefs that convince them that they simply can't change, and they have no idea what the path looks like to get where they want to go next. Now, whether that sounds like just a bunch of personal growth jargon to you or not, that's irrelevant. What matters are results. Marcella is a shining example of what is possible when you put in the work. Growing up in San Antonio, Texas, Marcella just didn't see a lot of other Mexican-American women becoming Hollywood film and television editors. Unconsciously, this lack of representation held her back and it even limited her dreams of what could be possible for her own career. She worked as a short-form editor for a long time on digital lifestyle content for Fortune 500 magazine brands, but it really wasn't until she mentored young women in high school that she realized it was time to get more out of her career. This is originally what led her to join my Optimizer Coaching and Mentorship Program, and six months later, the rest is history. In our conversation today, you're going to hear how Marcella overcame her anxious thoughts, faced her fears, and discovered how much more she is capable of achieving. You're also going to learn how she created a very clear and a very doable path that has not only led her to her first job as an AE in scripted TV, but she is now also mentoring other young women to pursue their passions in film and television so she can become the representation that she never had. All right, without further ado, my conversation with editor Marcella Garcia. (laughs) 
I think the first thing that came to my mind was just like overcoming your own anxious thoughts. I think that's like a large part of a lot of people. They just have a lot of fear and they don't know how to do anything. So that's one thing that pops in my head. And then just how important having support, whether it's somebody like a mentor or a community, because that was huge for me. I think that was the game changer was having like people actually going through what you're going through. And then in a work environment, everybody pretends not to be vulnerable. And in your kind of program, everybody's vulnerable. And that was nice because I'm naturally like that. So it was, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm here today with Marcella Garcia. You are an editor who in the past you've cut content for digital lifestyle content. You've worked with brands like uh, Fortune 500 brands, InStyle Magazine, People Magazine, um, done stuff for YouTube, Instagram. And as we're going to talk a lot more about, you've recently transitioned to being an assistant editor in the world of scripted television. And I think the most important part of your introduction that people need to know is you consider yourself the optimize yourself hot seat queen. Yes. So, Marcella, welcome to the show. What is a hot seat and why do you feel you are the hot seat queen? I am the hot seat queen because I was on sometimes twice if the, there was possibility. And I really took advantage of that hot seat because I just, uh, there was such a wealth of information that you gave and then being able to see other hot seats. So that was, to me, that was the best part uh, of the program. Where I really want to start the conversation today is understanding a little bit more about you, understanding your path. And I think that one of the, the areas we're going to dive into and really the reason that I wanted you on this call today is because, as you already alluded to, you stole my thunder, you love being vulnerable and being honest and being open. And you and I have gone deep on many, many calls in the past, group calls where we were able to share your hesitations and troubles with other members of the community. And I want our audience to understand what some of the things are that you overcame. Because just nine months ago in January, you said to me, I work with all these short form lifestyle brands. I've never worked in the world of scripted television. I don't know how to get into the union. I just don't know how to make this happen. And I don't know if I can. And remind me again what you're doing right now. I am an assistant editor in scripted television cutting scenes already. <laughs> I love it. So let's go back to the beginning. And I want to talk about where Marcella came from and how you got to the point where we found each other in January. So yeah, in January, I remember I was editing for some yeah Fortune 500 companies, a lot of online content. Uh, and I remember when I came to you in January, I knew I didn't want to continue in the line of work that I was in. I knew that because of the whole situation with the pandemic that I had an opportunity in a way on my hands to, to change the course of where I wanted to go. Uh, and I had dabbled in scripted before with some non-union shows. And I, in January, I really wanted to figure out what was going to be my path. And I knew I really enjoyed scripted because at that point I had helped uh, with a short, I had done a mentor workshop through the union but I was really overwhelmed and anxious and nervous. And I just didn't know what that world looked like. So if I didn't know how that world looked like, then I didn't know how to even go down that path. So I was, I felt stuck in January when I, when I had the call with you, I, I didn't know what to do. 
Yeah, I actually went through the transcript of the very first time that you and I talked, which is always surreal for me because once I work with somebody, I get to know them so well. And when I was listening to it, I was like, I can't believe this was like nine months ago. I feel like I've known you for years now, but talking about our very first conversation and you said, I just don't know what to do. It was just like there's this big giant barrier, this this uh, huge wall in front of you where all of the answers were on the other side of it and you just couldn't break through. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, there were a lot of unknowns. And I think that was the big key word I remember going through your program. It's just like there were things that I didn't know that that I, I knew I had to learn somehow. And your program helps tremendously. Well, I want to make sure that we dig into some of the, the little nuggets that have been aha moments for you because I can always tell when it clicks for you because you're just like, ah, oh, yes, okay, I get it now. Totally makes sense. I'm going to do that. Like you have these moments. It's very animated. Uh, so I want to eventually get to some of those aha moments so we can share them with people because I don't hide anything. It's not a matter of, oh, well, shh, don't tell anybody the good stuff. They have to pay the money to join the program, right? The, the program is for the accountability and the community, the tips, the strategies, I write about all the stuff. I talk about all this stuff everywhere. But before we get to all the goodies, I want to dig a little bit more into your background because I know that your heritage and your background and where you came from plays a big part in a lot of the anxiety and the overwhelm and the hesitation about trying to break into this industry. Yeah. So when you say that, I mean, the main thing that pops up is, uh, you know, prior to getting into your program, there were a lot of uh, limiting beliefs. I didn't see a lot of, you know, people like women. I didn't know a lot of, can I talk about that? I'm sorry. You, you can talk about anything you want. There, There is nothing off limits. So, and this is actually one of those areas where I prefer you to be very vulnerable and open and honest. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, I needed that. So prior to your program, there were, you know, I started late in the game. So I started, I don't know, in my mid 30s, as far as wanting to go into scripted. And so prior to that, I had, I didn't know, but I had a lot of limiting beliefs. So I, I hadn't seen a lot of women as editors in scripted. I hadn't seen a lot of um, Mexican American women specifically. And I think because when you don't really see that representation, you don't know, but it, it really like, I don't know why this is breaking me up so much. You don't believe that it's possible. So I think for a long time growing up, you know, it wasn't a job role that I thought I could do. So ultimately not seeing that representation in there, but then, you know, moving to New York and moving to LA and seeing that there actually were women editors and then seeing that there were some Latina women editors, it made me start seeing my dream as possible. And so I started just to explore those options more. So it made me as a Mexican American woman want to just continue leveling up and learning more and meeting more people so that ultimately I could myself be the representation because ultimately, you know, after all is said and done and I continue learning your awesome skills through each program, I do want to give back to, you know, young Mexican-American women so they could see, hey, you know, we're here too. You know, our color of the rainbow is here as well in the creative arts. And I think because you're able to get more from the creative arts and more impactful film and television series when there's a mix of personalities, you know, and so that's really important to me. So not seeing the representation was a big part of me starting so late in the game. And now seeing some representation and wanting to be a part of that is making me want to go harder so I could give that back. That was a big limiting belief. 
Well, one of the things that I knew right away that I didn't say to you, and I don't even know if I've ever said it to you, I'm usually a pretty good judge of character. It takes me about five to 10 minutes on an introductory call with somebody to know, are they going to be able to make it or not? There are a whole lot of steps that they need to go through. There's going to be a lot of barriers. And specifically in the world of uh, the entertainment industry, there's no timeline. If I have somebody on a call that says, I want to be a doctor, how long is it going to take me? And I say, well, where are you now? This is year two of medical school. I can say it's going to take exactly this many years and months before you're a doctor, right? In our industry, there's no way to do that. And there's really no way to say you're ever going to make it. But I have a pretty high success rate of identifying people that I think are going to make it. I knew very quickly talking to you that what was going to happen that has now happened was just going to be a matter of time. But here's the other thing that I saw that I don't even think we've talked about. You are going to be the female Mexican-American editor on the panels in three to five years that provides the representation to the younger people that you might have been five or 10 years ago that said, why am I not represented? I totally see that happening. You're not there yet, but you're very, very close. And this podcast is one of those first steps to being able to do that. Wow, I appreciate you saying that. And honestly, I it's so funny because in your Focus Yourself program, I found my why. And it still holds me to this day. Like when I get tired, you know, because you're working, you can lose some of the, the, the motivation, the excitement. And I think about a young me and then I kid you not, Zach, it just brings me right back and it pushes me hard. And for you to say that ever since I started in this career, I always had these big dreams of just giving back to the the young Mexican-American arts and creative women, and especially in my hometown, San Antonio. So anyway, to hear you say that is like, man, I am on the right path and I feel really good about it. Really good. So, thank so you. Give, given that we're going to dive really deep into the darkest depths of who you are as a human being and what drives you, I want to go a little bit deeper into that why, because this is a huge area that we work on in the program. Most people think, oh, cool, we can workshop a resume and you can give me some tweaks on an outreach email. And yes, we do a lot of that. But ultimately, if you don't understand why you're doing the work that you're doing, everything else feels like busy work. And it's one of the biggest reasons we procrastinate. I don't know if the thing on my calendar is what I should be doing because I don't know what I'm doing with my life because I don't know the meaning of my life, right? So dig a little bit deeper into what the true deeper why is that you found. And I'm curious when, I know that we discovered it and we talked about it in the program, but when did you really get that spark the first time, whether it was when you were four, when you were 17, when did you realize this is what inspires me and this is the kind of work I want to go after, even though it's going to be next to impossible and I'm not represented and I might need to be one of the first. I feel I've always wanted to help people just because of me growing up. I, I don't know why, but those are kind of characteristics I already have. I, I care a lot about others and encouraging people. But I think the first time I realized that that was a force behind it is when I moved to LA and I, you know, didn't have a job at the time. I moved without a job. And so I started volunteering at Inner City Arts. And it was for the schools that didn't have uh, creative programs. And I participated, volunteered in a film class. And it was for Latinos, specifically um, middle schools uh, that didn't have creative arts program. And so I'm there volunteering and I'm assigned a group of young 
Latina uh, women, like seventh grade, and I had to guide them through their film project. And as I was guiding them in their film project, I was so excited that it was pretty much all I could think about when I left. And there was one young lady that I that I really connected with, and it was exciting to go and volunteer at the class and, you know, being able to help them. And she was waiting to show me, like waiting to show me her project, waiting to show me what she was, what she had done. And it was just like, oh, there's something here. Like, this is, this is important to me, like to have them, you know, uh, to, to just express themselves because, oh, I mean, without going too far on a tangent, I, when I was younger, I remember so badly wanting to express myself, but I didn't know how there weren't any creative programs. And I remember I'd, you know, be with my camcorder and I'd be recording everything and creating stuff, but that's where it stopped. So when I saw her, you know, I saw myself and I thought, oh, I I wanted to focus on helping her, but I thought, man, I really have to get far in my career so I can really, really help them create some awesome stories. So that was the first uh, couple, I think two and a half years ago, where I volunteered in the program and I was like, oh, this could be something. And then when we revisited in, in the why and focus yourself, it just made complete sense. So what I'm now curious about, given that this was an experience that happened relatively recently, I wasn't going to bring up age, but you had brought it up a little bit earlier where you're coming into this a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is one of those limiting beliefs that you had. So what I'm curious about is what led you to get into the industry in the first place? And how did you basically choose the the jobs and the opportunities where you eventually landed in the place where you did, where you said, huh, so I don't want to do any of this anymore and I need to make a change. Like what, what led you down that path in the first place? From the point that you're like right out of college, the first 10, 15 years of your career, how much of that was driven by passion and a need for fulfillment versus I just need to amass credits or I need to make money or whatever it is. I'm really trying to find when is that moment when you decided this isn't what I want to do anymore. So when I knew that in the volunteer class, I, when I wanted to do more, I was really confused. I still didn't know where I wanted to be. At that point, I was, you know, AEing at Commercial Post House. I was trying to figure out. So if, if the question is, you know, how did I decide, okay, I'm going to go all the way. I didn't know what all the way looked like. I didn't have a clue. I was still thinking I wanted to be a music video editor. That was kind of my first goal. And to in scripted, I accidentally just got into it. And so, you know, a large part of me believes in, you know, sometimes things just line up the way they're supposed to. So I accidentally got into scripted. I ended up finding that I loved it. And I think that was still a part of the limiting beliefs was that I didn't see myself in long form, maybe partly because I didn't believe I could be there. Like that was too high up. So as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking, I think subconsciously, I was like, no, 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 that's not for me. You know, that's for everybody else. And then also another part, I I always thought long form was a little boring. I liked short stuff. I had always worked in short form stuff. You know, I think for me, it was just on the projects I was on, I learned more and I know myself, I get really into it. And then I'm curious and I'm, I, you know, I kind of test the waters, see what I like. And then I can, and then I'm like, well, I like that. Let me try it out. And then I, you know, figure it out, get there, test it. And so it was just that, that process really. I, I accidentally got into scripted. I ended up really falling in love with it when I saw that it was a creative team collaboration. I liked the challenges and everybody in my career, 
editor that had met me when I would talk about editing, they would uh, say, why don't you get into TV and movies? And I thought, ah, I don't know, it's too long. So I always had those moments in my career because I see, I think what people saw, which I, what I didn't see is that I really loved filmmaking, uh, but because I didn't have the creative resources back when I was, you know, I, I was doing this as early as eight years old, I didn't know what that looked like. So people, it's funny, were guiding me along the way. And I was just kind of like, all right, let's go up another level, you know? So it was really all by accident, but it was amazing. Accident. Of course, yes. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. So, uh, so speaking of being guided along the way and having all these opportunities that came along by accident, there are two words that you and I have learned how to use a whole lot better in this program, one of which was a big struggle for you. The two words are yes and no. And I remember fairly early in the program, there were many conversations about potential opportunities. And I put the word opportunities in air quotes because they were potential opportunities. And there was a lot of hesitation and nervousness about saying no to them. But you have since overcome that. But that was a really big obstacle for you coming into this is the fact that you had all these other opportunities. You've fallen into the trap that so many people fall into, which is that you're great at what you do. So people want you to keep doing it. And as long as you say yes, that happens. And as I've said many times before, and will continue to say, we don't get pigeonholed. We allow ourselves to be pigeonholed. So talk about some of the yeses and then this transition that you've gotten to the point now where you not only hesitantly say no, you confidently say no. I remember you coming to a call one morning and posting in the Slack channel, like all exclamation points, I said no to a job. Like we celebrate that more than 
I think any other uh, you know career uh, community would. But let's talk about your use of the word yes and no and how that's changed. Yeah, I think before you know learning all the things I did in your program, I didn't. I went with the flow. So everything was a yes because it was a job. I needed money. I didn't, you know, really learn how to, you know, I hate using the word network, but I didn't know how to build relationships. So because of that, everything was a yes. And so then once I got into your program, you know, I started learning that I could determine what I wanted to say yes to and what I wanted to say no to. And it was based on what my end goal was. And that was a huge learning moment for me. And it's something that I really feel is going to guide me until the end. So a few pop into my head, you know, that came up when I was, when I would utilize these hot seats. So I'll start with this one. One was when I was offered a staff job for the job that I was trying to get out of. And I remember scheduling a hot seat with you and asking you, kind of trying to analyze, should this be something I do? I don't know when I'm going to become an AE inscripted. And I remember you just questioning me and guiding me on like, hey, that's if you were to take this job, you would put me in the scenario. You would take out all the emotion out of it. You would put me in the scenario and you would say, you know, is this something, you know, you see yourself being happy with leaving after you get the AE job? And I remember being like, oh my gosh, this is an obvious no. <laughs> and so you were moving the emotion, being able to to me to see it from the actual moment would help guide me. So that was the first one. So that was a no. So I ended up sending them an email and saying, no, I'm going to turn down the staff position. And I'm so glad I did. It's crazy how it worked out. And then the second one was, I remember, I think it was about April. Uh, I was, I got in your program in January and it was a, it was amazing. I was learning at that point. I was learning everything about AVID because I wasn't strong in those AVID skills. And so I started going hard on it. I got an email from an editor I'd worked with a couple years ago and he sends me, uh, he recommends me for this amazing show. It's, it's, oh my God, it's on billboards everywhere. It has like these big name stars. And when I got it, I kid you not, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is what I've been working on since January. It's going to happen. And I remember I got that email. I hadn't scheduled a hot seat. It was a Wednesday. I got the email Wednesday early early morning uh, your hot seat started and I waited till the end I signed on to the zoom call and I was like Zach I got this great opportunity but you know I don't know avid that well you know and again you just asked the right questions took helped me take the emotion out of it because there's a lot of nerves especially when the post producer was going to call me for an interview in an hour and I remember you helped guide me just to think clearly so the advice was be honest, don't lie. And more than likely, it was like, be aware of the situation, right? So don't let your, I need this job now overwhelm you to where you make a mistake. So I was, I had the interview with the post producer. I was honest about my avid skills and he so thankfully thanked me for being honest. He said, look, this is a very high visual effects show. You know, unfortunately, we need somebody a little more keen and avid and proficient. Um, thank you for letting me know. And I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now because now I'm an alien scripted and I'm so glad I didn't take it. And because of the fact that I had to, uh, I would have, I would have ruined my connections. I would have looked 
dumb. I would have ruined that opportunity with the editor I worked with. I would have ruined that opportunity with him. This industry is really small. In a way, I didn't say no to that. He said no to me. That was a big learning moment. To me, the, the couple of takeaways that I really want to extract from this before we move forwards, because I would say that of all the conversations we had, you really picked out the two that are the most pivotal moments. The first of which is you have a staff opportunity. And I got the sense that if had that opportunity been offered to you without you being in the program, I think you probably would have taken it. Looking in hindsight, we now know that that would have sent you down a very different path. But it's the second one where I really feel like there was a lot of growth. And the, the big conversation, like you've already kind of highlighted, is, oh, my God, my dream opportunity is here. It's going to happen. This is so exciting. And basically, I said, let's sim it down now. Let, let's just curb our enthusiasm and really talk through this, right? We don't know if it's an opportunity yet, not because you're not ready or it's not the, a great show or anything else, but we need to ask a simple question. Is this opportunity going to set you up for success or is it going to set you up for failure? And we had talked through all the different scenarios. And at the time, you weren't aware of the scenarios. And I had said, it's most likely going to go one of two ways. If they know that you have not a whole lot of uh, experience, then number one, you're going to be in a nurturing environment where you come in. They know that they can guide you through. You've got other assistants to answer your questions. Maybe you're coming in earlier in the process. You can work on dailies and you can kind of ease your way in. And the big question that I always ask everybody is, do you know enough to not fail your first week? And you're like, absolutely, if that's the scenario. And then I said, what if you're just jumping into the middle of a fire pit and bullets are flying everywhere and deadlines were last week and you've got to deliver? Are you going to have a lot of room for questions about Avid and where's this menu item and how do you do your list? And you're like, no, like if, if I did that, I would probably look really bad and it would burn all those bridges and they'd never hire me back. The unfortunate part is that that was the scenario. The fortunate part, though, is that you were honest and authentic. And now, because of that, yes, you didn't get the gig, but you now have a relationship with a producer that trusts you. So I bet you could go back to that person in three or six months and say, hey, guess what? I just finished up an entire season. Bring it on. Now I can do it and now I feel confident. And I thought that was a huge learning moment for you where even though you didn't technically say no, you put yourself in a position to be turned down knowing that you weren't going to be serving somebody else and providing value to them. Yeah, and I remember being so sad. And then I remember thinking, did that give me the right advice? <laughs> and I was a little like, I would go between sadness a little bit of like mad and then I was like, no, I know I did the right thing. And it, and it turned out, yeah, I did. I really did. <laughs> so let, let's talk about why it ended up becoming the right thing. Let's talk about how you actually made this transition. How did all the pieces come together? Yeah, I mean, it ended up being the right thing because I started figuring out what the right fit was for me. So that was my first introduction into the, the phrase, the right fit. And then I started figuring out because I'd schedule hot seats with you all the time. And, and just from the community, I started doing the homework on, well, for a green AE, what opportunities are open to me? And so it was like, well, not a show with high visual effects that needs to get out a show, you know, a re-edit or whatever the next week. So then it was like, oh, okay, maybe a pilot because it's new. So all of these things, I started building the picture of what, an actual job could be for me. So from that moment on, it just became a lot of conversation 
and hot seats. A lot of conversations with AEs that I was reaching out to and then, you know, thinking out with you through the hot seats. And that led me to kind of, to, to not kind of, but to build a plan, which was what skills I needed to learn because I ended up reaching out to that editor that reached out to me. So, so through that opportunity, I turned to him to guide me on what he needs from an AE. And then, it, it, so that, so then he told me sound design, some visual effects. And then when I reached out to other AEs, they would confirm sound design, visual effects. So it gave me a game plan to be confident when that opportunity came. So that's what really what sprung from it. Now, hold on a second. I want to clarify something. You're a Mexican American female that doesn't have the skills you're older. What business do you have reaching out to editors and other people in this industry? Like, who do you think you are doing that? What's that all about, right? D -d Does that voice sound familiar? Whose yeah. voice is that? Yeah, it's an old limiting belief. That's what it is. It's silly. It's not, it's not that old. It's, it, 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 it's months old. It's not years old. Isn't it crazy? It really, like, I'm like, who is that person in January? Like, I kid you not. I thought about it. The other day on my drive home, I was like, the sun was setting. I was like, man, I can't believe. Like, for a second, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing it. Like, I can't believe. And I thought about myself at, like, 12 or 13, and I was just like, damn, you're going to be all right. <laughs> like, you're going to work on a show, you know? And so even it doesn't even feel – you know why? Because I held on to that belief almost my entire life, all the way until literally this year, that it, I don't know, it just, it feels, it feels insane. It feels, it feels insane. It feels like I'm like a whole new person. Well, I want to dig even deeper into this idea and this transformation of my entire life. I've held this belief that I don't belong here. Who am I to reach out and ask these questions and build these relationships? And now you're just like an outreach ninja. You're just sending the emails, you're getting responses, you're getting the answers to your questions. What skills do I work on next? And what opportunities are there? Like you're doing all this stuff and it's just, it's a matter of you need to take the time, you need to be focused, directed, and you get it done. So what switch when it comes specifically to outreach, we went from an entire lifetime of who am I to think I can do this to, all right, I'm just gonna rifle these things out. I'm gonna get my questions answered and I'm gonna land me a gig. What's changed? Yeah. I think what's changed is one, the first thing that comes to mind is the community. Again, just being immersed in a community where everybody's going through the same thing. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is what I learned in your program was taking the emotion and the desperation out of it. And that meaning not thinking about yourself only, you know, because I think a lot of me was like, oh, well, I want to be the best editor and, you know, I want this and I want that. And in your program, it became like, well, what do they need? You know, what can I give? And also, what's the end goal? Like, what am I really trying to do? And learning that it's not checkers, it's chess. Because that was huge. And I actually told that to a coworker the other day. I was like, remember, we're playing chess, not checkers. <laughs> You're like, what? What are you talking about? What is this madness? <laughs> I feel like I'm a, like a little mini Zach. Like, <laughs> it's just so funny. And, uh, but yeah, so it, it was so much that, that goes beyond this podcast. But a lot of it is self-work, right? And, and letting go of the limit, recognizing the limiting beliefs letting go of them, being a part of a community that where you can be vulnerable, you know, and you give such great outreach email advice, but that is a really small 
percentage of it. It's great advice, but it's everything you do behind that email. That's the real game changer. And I swear, I, I mean, I, I could go the whole night talking about all the behind the scenes work, but that was a, that was a large part of it. At the end of the day, I'm just going to give all my secrets away. I'm going to give away the big secret. And it's probably not a secret because you've done a lot of calls with me and you've seen this. Um, but there's a very simple formula to this. The formula is that once I get a basic idea of the kind of person that I'm going to be working with, like I said, in the first 10 to 15 minutes of an intro call, I get a sense of, is this somebody that's willing to put in the effort in the work or not? Is this somebody that feels entitled and it should just be coming to me? And why am I not getting all my opportunities? Boo-hoo. Versus... I know that I can make this happen, I just don't know how. I can see the difference. All I really need to do in this program is convince you that you can do it. That's it. I knew you could do it, you didn't know that you could do it. You had no idea you were capable of this. I knew 10 minutes into our first call, I'm like, this is so simple. I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen, but if, if I, based on the market and based on our conversation, I would have said by the end of the year, and it took about eight months. But I could tell, but you were the one that put in all the work, right? But the, the really big question, once we get past all the limiting beliefs is how, right? How do I do it? What are the steps? And that's actually an area that I want to dig into a little bit deeper where maybe I'm going to be putting you back on the hot seat. Shouldn't be a problem because you're the hot seat queen, right? The, the, uh, the self-named, self-proclaimed hot seat queen. <laughs> There's another area that I want to dig into a little bit deeper where I know that you struggled and to this day you still struggle and I struggle with. And it's a very, very common challenge for creative people. Analysis paralysis. You and I are like, you know, siblings from another mother when it comes to analysis paralysis, where you can overthink something until the cows come home. Just so many different options. And I'm, I researched all my this and that and the other thing. And like me, you too get very, very stuck in that. So let's talk a little bit more about that because one of the things when it comes to awareness is we have this concept called the four tendencies. And I can put a, a link in the show notes to an episode that I did with the creator and originator of this Gretchen Rubin. But we dug deep into this to help you understand which of the four tendencies you struggle with the most. What is the name of that tendency? And let's talk a little bit more about how we helped overcome some of those struggles. Yeah, it was a questioner. So I didn't know it. And I actually thought I was an obliger. So it was it was pretty, uh, it, it awakened me when you were like, you're a questioner. And then it all made sense because I questioned so much. I questioned everything to death which, you know, has me creating, you know, like, uh, like a list of items. And then because I'm questioning the list of items, it just, it never stops. And then I don't know what to do because I've overwhelmed myself that I end up never doing anything. So, yeah, so, so that was huge. What I'm really interested in, and it's not like we've eradicated it. You know, it's not like I gave you a shot and all of a sudden you're not a questioner anymore, but yeah. you've gotten a lot better at making decisions and moving forwards and not getting stuck. What are some of the tips that you've used and how has this become easier for you? This is so common for creative people. It's just who I am. And so I think it's something I, I'm always going to struggle with. The way I get out of it really is I, it's going to sound so simple. I just, I just stop questioning. I know I'm overthinking when I start getting really anxious. And really that's how, that's, you know, that's one method. And then, you know, thinking it out, I just... I just go back to kind of who am I talking to and what is the end goal? That's another thing I utilize. And then I kind of just take a step away from everything. 
And then I come back and I'm like, oh, it's totally fine the way it is. I'm just going to send this email. <laughs> so th those are the three methods because I know myself pretty well. So if I get anxious, that's a sign right there. And then I, you know, walk away from it. And then I just make sure it answers the end goal and, uh, you know, fits some of the things you've taught me about outreach email or whatever it is in that moment. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my Topomat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the Topomat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core 360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. The other strategy that we've worked on, you may not even be aware that you're now doing it and it kind of came from somewhere. Uh, when it comes to, to questioning and analysis paralysis, I have found, at least for me personally, and I know that we've worked on this as well, is that you've got to give yourself a self-imposed deadline. You know what? I can ask all the questions I want about how to write this outreach email, but at some point it's got to be on the calendar and I'm sending it. It's that accountability factor, whether it's self-guided accountability or external, there's a deadline, which is why I live my life by my calendar and my time blocks because the time blocks say you can spend as much time as you want on this presentation and all the fonts and the color choices until 5 p.m. And then at 5.30 p.m., you got something new you have to move on to. Otherwise, you can spin your wheels for weeks. Yes, yes, yes. No, that was a huge one. And and what I loved about when I did the small group, the advanced yourself, it was that pressure of also, okay, this next Thursday we're meeting and he gave us a guide and then having to fit that into the calendar. That, it, yeah, you, I just had to let it go. So yes, that was, that was a big one. One I'm still learning, I have to say. <laughs> oh yes, this is a lesson I still learn to this day. And uh, going back to this idea of the tendencies a little bit, you had mentioned that I thought I was an obliger. Then I realized digging a little bit deeper, I was a questioner. What I have found helping a lot of people through these tendencies, and this is not you know scientifically backed or anything, it's just kind of my own intuition. But I find that there's a tendency by nature and there's a tendency by nurture. So there's a tendency that it's just like you said, it is who I am. But then there's also a tendency that often gets conditioned into people. So the way that you're wired is as a questioner. But my guess is the obliger tendency, which is there and present, came from somewhere, came from being taught that or modeled that. Is there somewhere that you can identify where you think that obliger tendency came from? 
trying to think because I know obliger is it, when others are wanting you to like they're holding you accountable. And I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not too sure. I think it's just I always wanted people please. I don't know. You know, growing up in that kind of thing. But yeah, nothing that really strikes that I could say. Were you around people pleasers? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean being truthfully truthful. I think it's just with my dad wanting to do the best for him because he was always busy. So if I'm being really honest, yeah, I think that's where it comes from. It was wanting him to notice me. So I would make sure I could do whatever I can. Do. And my dad's a loving guy, but you know, it was just, he was so busy. So I think it's like wanting to please him, make him happy. And it's funny how it transferred. And I started noticing when I get got older that I just wanted to make others happy. And I, also I was such a good student in school. I liked the praise. So I think that probably has something to do with it. That I'm like, oh, okay, I, I'm the good student. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to be, don't worry. And then when I was editing, everybody started in work relying. They were happy that I could get it done. And I was like, okay, I'm that person that gets it done. You're holding me accountable. I'll get it done. So it's, it's a weird mix of that. And the reason that I bring that up is kind of uh, goes a little bit back full circle to the beginning of the conversation and where you came to me is it was a long string of yeses to other projects that weren't really a good fit. And the reason, and if for, for anybody that is listening only, we just had a you know a big mind blown moment from you. Another, another one of your aha moments. I always know when you have them, you're very animated. What's the aha moment that you just had? Yeah, is that I've been saying yes my entire life and I didn't even realize it. I just, I it's like, wow, I've been doing that since I was like in second grade. <laughs> You know, it, it's just insane how much it's embedded in you until you start noticing that your life isn't going the way you want it to. And why is it? And it's like, oh, I'm not doing what I want to do. I never thought I was like that. That's huge. Oh, my God. And that's what I love about this process of self-discovery is you think that it's all about the external world and you realize, oh, it's the way that my brain is programmed, right? We're just little computers walking around all day long with heartbeats and we have certain programming, we have certain coding, some of it comes from genetics, but a lot of it comes from modeled behavior. And we've now just uncovered that a lot of the reason you went down this path and ended up just taking these things that coincidentally happened or accidentally came along was because of a long string of yeses that goes all the way back to tendencies from elementary school. Yes. Once you know that and see it, and the reason I bring it up is not to call you out, but there are other people that are probably listening thinking, oh my God, I'm doing that too. Once you start to read the matrix, you never go back. And it's much easier to then design the path forwards because you understand the way that you're coded and you can't just delete all the code and start over, but you can start to modify it. Yep, exactly. So now for the, for the tail end of this, I want to get a little bit deeper into the weeds and the specifics. We've kind of been alluding to this here and there. For somebody that's listening, that's like, oh, for the love of God already, would you tell me how you got your job and scripted? Walk me through the small step-by-step -step pieces to land the gig that finally got you in the pipeline. Yeah, I would say it was recognizing what I needed. Like, basically, it was what did that position entail and what did it require, you know, from a technical aspect and then, you know, kind of just an outreach aspect. So once I broke it down into those two categories, I realized where I was weak, which was I didn't really have you know, uh, extensive experience in AVID. So I broke it down by out, outreaching and reaching out to other AEs. I found, I, I made a list of what skills I needed. I looked at tutorials. I did those day in and day out. I actually ended up switching all my projects because uh, I was working from home at the time to AVID. So 
I could learn, you know, eight hours a day instead of like one or two. But I think one or two would be fine too. But yes, I found out what the job required, did the work uh, in those areas where I was weak. And then I just reached out. I found out through outreach that it wasn't editors I was supposed to reach out to. It was AEs that they were, and they still are the gold. And I'm learning to build my network now. And so once I I built that network of AEs, and actually it was being uh, vulnerable in your hot seats that I had messages from people within your community that wanted to support and encourage me. And that caught me off guard because here I am just zoned in like, all right, I'm going to meet with Zach. I'm going to figure the next step out. And then you have people that legit care about you. And that, that was another thing that I did, another gift I did not see coming. You should charge for that. Okay. (laughs) But that was huge. And so because I was doing the outreach and I was honing in on my weaknesses, my confidence started started going up and at the same time opportunities started coming in and that was crazy I remember like as soon as I started the outreach because I was feeling confident I was just like getting interviews almost back to back and again every situation and time period is unique but that had never happened and I remember telling you in a hot seat I don't know what's going on but I'm getting interviews (laughs) and you were like Marcella it's because you've been doing the work and I was like Oh my God, you're right. And that, that was, that was crazy. That was a crazy moment. And so, yeah, because I did that, I I did the work and, and the outreach and I was utilizing everything you were telling me to me was like the Bible, you know, I was taking it that seriously. So once I did that, I actually got it through somebody who worked on a a scripted union show that knew somebody, uh, a friend, and then uh, he sent me a text. He's like, Hey, there's this position for this show. And then because I wanted to prepare for that position, I went on a hot seat, which is why I am the hot seat queen. And <laughs> I had the interview, uh, you know, the, the advice with you on how to prepare somebody in your community knew somebody that was the, the AE that was being replaced on that show. And because she had already been encouraging me and helping me along the way, uh, she, yeah, she, she said, I can put in a good word for you. And I was like, wow. So then I did the interview and I watched your, uh, sorry, I'm getting so excited now. I watched your interview process videos and let, I kid you not. Oh my God, they're just so good because it taught me exactly what I needed to do in an interview. And I, I, Zach, the night before I'm looking at that interview, I'm writing everything down. I ended up doing that interview the next day. The editor calls me and I knew exactly what to say. Also, I should say I had a couple of interviews where I practiced. I didn't use your interview uh, guide and I didn't get those jobs. I'm that's all I'm going to say. So proof's in the pudding. But so I did your interview. The guy was ready for the interview the next day. At the end of the interview, the editor tells me, he actually <laughs> interrupts me at the end of me going over my whole process. And he was like, well, you just, yeah, you answered all my questions. <laughs> and that's never happened to me in an interview. And at that moment, I was like, oh, there's a good chance I got it. Like there is, I, if I, if I don't get this job, the, the win is the interview, being able to master that interview. And I, re, I remember I was on such a high that day and I ended up getting the dang job. 
So yeah, so that's how I did it. Do, 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 do. Well, I, I congratulate you for everything that you accomplished. And I put you in capital letters because you did all the work. I did none of the work for you. I was just there as a guidepost to say, yeah, I've gone down that path before. Look out for that pothole. And yeah, you, you might want to dress differently. You know, the weather's going to be a little tough down this path or whatever it is. Uh, but you did all the work. I really, I didn't do any of this. So um, you, you, you came prepared and ready and you showed up and you squeezed every ounce out of this program and more, which is why you're the, the self-appointed hot seed queen now. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to like make a plaque or something, yeah. right? Like maybe like it's a, it's a portable placard you can put on your desk chair for all your offices going <laughs> forwards. And people are like, what the hell is a hot seat? And why are you the queen of it? What is that? Right. So that oh. could be fun. Um, so last question for you before we wrap it up, um, I want to jump into our little time machine. And I want to go back to a couple of different time periods, one of which is about nine months ago, the beginning of January when you and I talked. And another one is to you pick a time period. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's to a much younger version of yourself. The two conversations we're going to talk about are with the version of you nine months ago, you're really on the fence and you're not sure if you can do this. You're not sure if it's a good fit. And what advice would you give to that person? But then what would you now tell your much younger self that didn't believe any of this was even remotely possible? So the first thing I would, the advice I would give to Marcella nine months ago is don't be scared. Uh, just because it's different doesn't mean it's impossible. And you're going to, girl, mm, it's going to come. <laughs> stop, stop being so sad at night, really. Uh, so that's what I would tell myself. And then, yeah, me at 10, I would I would tell her, Dad, you may get teased right now at school. They may call you nerd when they call your name, but honey, <laughs> yeah, they're going to, you, yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to make it. You're going to be really good. So let them bully you if they want to bully you. Let them say their piece, but you got you got a talent and you're going far. Like you're you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. Well, I love all of that. Before yeah. we wrap up, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you want to talk about about this journey or otherwise? No, I mean, I think I just want to say that one, you're amazing. And I don't think you realize, I don't think you realize the impact you've had. Like a lot of people know you and, and I know that you say we do the work and we do, right? I don't, I think everybody, you know, it depends on who you are, but you're like, what you're doing is life changing. And I kid you not, Zach, on my deathbed, I will be like, you're one of the people I'll thank. I'll be like, thank you, Zach. <laughs> so I, I want I want you to know that this program, when you're tired, you know, when you're like, man, you know, I miss my kids or whatever it is, um, that you're really changing lives and you changed mine. And you know me, I'll send you an email all the time being like, Zach, oh my God, you're amazing. So yeah, so that's what I want to say. And two, that age doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, I understand there's different challenges, but if you're like 45 or 55, it's definitely possible. You just have to, you really have to believe in yourself and get by like-minded individuals and hire Zach. 
obviously. <laughs> well, obviously, I love all of that. I appreciate all of it. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, and I definitely needed to hear that right now, given how tired I am with all the things I'm putting together and the fact that I miss my kids. Definitely needed to hear all of that. But going back to what we talked about in the beginning with a deeper why, you can get through all the day-to-day -day crap. If I didn't know why I was doing what I'm doing with this program, with coaching, with editing, whatever, I would be miserable because the amount of hours and the stress and all of the frustrations that it creates and all of the questions and all the doubts, like, why is this worth it? Why am I doing any of this? I know the answer to that question. So I just keep doing it. Sometimes I need a break. Sometimes I need a nap. Sometimes I need to have a Saturday where I do nothing. Actually, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, in one of the hot seats earlier this morning, um, I was talking to one of our students um, who, I mean, almost carbon copy of you a year ago had said, oh, I, I don't know, like I, I'm a second assistant director. I want to be a director someday, but I don't even know if I can be a first AD. This is Sam Lavin. And she just got off being first AD and doing some directing on a huge Apple show that she can't even talk about what it is because it hasn't come out yet um, on cloud nine. And she's like, I just, I got done and I'm just exhausted and I just, I can't focus. I'm like, let's just celebrate the fact that you're kicking ass and let's just re relax a little bit. Let's just be. And then somebody uh, in the, the community is like, wait, did Zach say that we can be a mess? Like, is that okay? I'm like, yes. It's like, <laughs> you know, we're all going to go through that. But coming back, if you know why you're doing it, you can endure anything. All right. So on that note, for anybody that's listening, can they reach out to you if you've inspired them? And if so, how can they connect with you? Yeah, uh, of course. For ring it on. Yeah, I think the best way to reach me is just through my email because I'm checking it constantly every day, literally. We'll work on that, by the way, this whole checking email constantly. I know. I'm right. <laughs> but yeah, email would be best. And I'm totally game for talking to anybody. Excellent. So then are you okay with us just putting your email address right on the, the show notes page? So if somebody listens, they go to the, the show notes for this episode, contact Marcella here, click send message done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Excellent. So word of caution to everybody that's listening, don't pitch Marcella and ask her if she will consider you. Learn to provide value and build a relationship first because you are now an outreach email queen and you're going to sniff out the bad outreach real fast. <laughs> yeah. So if you're coming at Marcella, you come with value first. Just going to put that out there. On that note, uh, I really appreciate you being a part of the community. I appreciate all the effort that you have put in. And I appreciate that given how busy you are right now, taking the time to sit down and chat with me this evening. Anytime I tell you anything, so, you know I'm here. On that note, uh, I thank you for being here. And uh, you and I are going to catch up more on the next hot seat for which you've been anointed the hot seat queen. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even gonna send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.